From APM Reports, this is the Educate Podcast, a collaboration with the Heckinger Report. I'm Stephen Smith. I'm going to be the oldest, not 18-year-old, to ever be a part of a freshman class at Georgetown University. <laughs> That's Melisande short Colomb. She goes by Melly. She's a chef in New Orleans. She's 63 years old. And this fall, she'll be moving into the dorms and starting classes at Georgetown University. That's the same school whose Jesuit leaders once owned some of her relatives. Georgetown University is offering an act of contrition for its complicated past. The nation's oldest Catholic and Jesuit college announced yesterday it will give preference in admissions to descendants of 272 slaves it sold nearly two centuries ago. Last year, Georgetown announced that it would give legacy status to people who are descended from the slaves who were sold to get the school out of a financial bind. That gives the descendants a leg up when they apply to the school. Melly is among the first to take Georgetown up on the offer. Kate Ellis has been reporting on the story with me, and she takes it from here. Melly Colomb has always known more than most people about her ancestors. Her grandmother would tell her all about where her family came from. Melly heard the names of relatives like Abraham Mahoney and Mary Ellen Queen, and about ancestors back in Maryland who had sued for their freedom. One of those people was represented by a lawyer named Francis Scott Key. The same Francis Scott Key who wrote the lyrics to the Star-Spangled Banner. Mellie loved these stories, but she didn't necessarily believe all of them. She figured her grandmother was mixing family history with folklore. That all changed last summer, when Mellie got an email from a genealogist a woman working to identify the descendants of the Georgetown Jesuits' former slaves. Here's what the email said. I need to tell you that your three times great-grandparents, Abraham Mahoney and Mary Ellen Queen, were part of um, the sale of 272 people by the Jesuits to Louisiana in 1838. Mellie was stunned. She realized her grandmother had been telling the truth, that she'd been passing down crucial family history that Melly could actually read about in an archive. I felt a couple of things. I felt a little bit of guilt because I had stepped away from it and I hadn't pursued it. And in that way, I felt like I had let my grandmother down. It was also hard to think about what Georgetown University and its Jesuit leaders had done to her ancestors. I was hurt and angry. And disappointed, I think, in all of those things that you feel when you know the person who sold your family and the reasons why you were sold. Mellie was still making sense of all this when Georgetown's president, Jack DeJoya, announced the university was granting legacy status to all the descendants. She watched his announcement online. We provide care and respect for the members of the Georgetown community, faculty, staff, alumni, those with an enduring relationship with Georgetown. We will provide the same care and respect to the descendants. When Mellie heard those words, an idea began to form in her mind. While other descendants imagine their sons, daughters, nieces, and nephews attending Georgetown one day, Melly Colomb pictured someone else there, herself. She eventually mentioned it to a friend. 
And I was like, said something like, who knows, I might decide to put in an application and go to Georgetown. And the response was, you should do that. So once I said it out loud, it became real and I started the process. And it wasn't easy. Uh, I'm not 18. I don't have parents taking care of my finances and keeping my life in order. And I didn't have anybody to sit down at the table with me and fill out all of the online applications. I'm a chef. I deal in boiling oil and sharp knives. Like most college applicants, Melly was anxious as she waited for word from Georgetown. Finally, in June, she got a letter from the school. So I cracked it open, I looked at it a little bit with one eye closed, and I saw that we are happy to, and then I snatched it out of the envelope and gave it to my best friend and told her, read this to me. (laughs) And I was sitting there crying. Really, I was. Because there was no, you know, I'm not 18. So for Georgetown to do this, it is special, and it does mean something. And I do feel like I have been touched by grace. Melly's excited to join the Georgetown class of 2021. She's looking forward to freshman convocation. And I'm going to wear my cap and my robe without the tassel. And then in four years, we're going to put them all back on. And we're going to graduate as a class. And they are going to influence me for the rest of my life. And I am going to influence them. Nellie can feel her ancestors with her. And they are so proud. And they are so happy. And they are so with me on this. And my one desire today as it was last month and a year ago and will be on graduation day in 2021 is that I wish I could change places with my grandmother and she could have this because this is her glory and her story. I just happen to be the one here to tell it and to live it. When Melly Colomb enters Georgetown University as a freshman, it won't be the first time she sets foot on the campus. Back in April, the university held a ceremony to offer a formal apology to the descendants of the 272 men, women, and children who were sold in 1838. I begin, as those who have come before me this morning, in humility and Gratitude. President Jack DeJoya spoke. As we express our solemn contrition for our participation in slavery and the benefit our institution received. We cannot hide from this truth, bury this truth, ignore this truth. The ceremony was followed by the renaming of two buildings that bore the names of Georgetown's slaveholding priests. More than 100 descendants attended these events, including Melly. When we were in Georgetown, um, we sang Amazing Grace, and it was the most meaningful moment that I have ever been involved with that song, because what was lost has been found. 
Melly, what's been found as crucial information about who her ancestors were, why they came to Louisiana, and who owned them? Also found? Connections to family members torn from each other when the Jesuit priests sold them off in 1838. Melly hasn't just found her roots, but entire branches of her family tree. And now she's found a new purpose. Melly plans to major in African-American studies at Georgetown. She also hopes to work in the university's slavery archive, finding and sorting more documents to help others discover their history. That was contributing producer Kate Ellis. Georgetown is going to cover Melly Colomb's tuition, room, and board. Still, she and other descendants wonder if the university should be doing more for folks in their community. What about all the people who may not want to go to Georgetown or who can't get in? Georgetown is building a research center to study slavery and its legacy and will erect a memorial to honor the slaves the Jesuits owned. But are there other ways it should make amends for the sin of slavery? Georgetown isn't the only university wrestling with these sorts of questions. Over the past decade, some of the nation's oldest and most prestigious universities, such as Harvard, Brown, and the University of Virginia, have been trying to figure out how to address and atone for their historic ties to slavery. Historians say that all of the colleges and universities founded in the country's early years either participated in or at least benefited from slavery. We'll go more deeply into these stories in our upcoming documentary on slavery and higher education. You'll be able to hear it on the podcast on September 4th. It's one of four new education documentaries we're going to release in a couple of weeks, and you can get them all here on the Educate podcast. You can find out more about our upcoming education documentaries at educatepodcast.org. While you're there, you can check out our archive of education podcasts and other documentaries. That's it for this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us how we're doing. Send a note to contact us at apmreports.org. The Educate Podcast is produced by Suzanne Pico. It's edited by Chris Julin, and our senior producer is Emily Hanford. Thanks to our partner, The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. We'll be hearing from them again in September after the release of our four education documentaries. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. <laughs>